This is the Real Strong People podcast, the show where extraordinary people peel back the layers of their lives to get real about their true stories of finding strength and meaning. But it's not just about inspirational stories. Every episode, we share real, actionable advice for becoming physically and mentally stronger in your own life. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm your host, Dana Santis, pro sports breathing mobility and mind-body coach known as the Mobility Maker. I'm excited about today's guest, my longtime friend, Jeff Nichols. Jeff is a former Navy SEAL, having spent eight years in the Navy Special Forces, but above and beyond that, he's spent the last 20 years as a coach. He's an exercise physiologist and strength coach who trains elite athletes, both tactical and sport, who are looking to take their careers to the next level. But before we dive in with Jeff, I need to give a quick shout out to the show's sponsor, Thorn, who I know actually Jeff also really loves. Thorn, um, I've been taking Thorn supplements now for probably about seven years. Now, if you want to learn how you can save 20% on Thorn, check out the show notes or visit mobilitymaker.com forward slash Thorn. So thanks, Jeff, for joining me as one of my very first guests. I'm so excited to have you here. It's my pleasure. It's an easy one. <laughs> like, given the, given the context of how long we've known each other and, like, what brought us together, Thorn. Yeah, because we met at Sorenex Summer Strong. It was seven or eight. And that was my first introduction to Thorn then, too. Right. Um, Paz yep. was there, I think, and Mike, yep. and, and they had Mariva there, which changed my life. And as much as I love Thorne and they're the sponsor, I, it's it's not about that right now. I want to talk about you because truly we haven't seen each other in person since right before the pandemic happened. So that was- Yeah, right. Like, yeah, March of 2020 spring training, I think. Yeah, yes. it would have been March. Yeah, like March 8th or March 10th or something. It was out right after my mom's birthday. Right. It was literally days before like the world shut down. Two days. Yeah, two days after I got back. Totally. Yeah, we, we went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. But that was our third annual. And then we obviously we skipped <laughs> this year, but our third annual. Yeah, I always joke, bring a Navy SEAL to work day. But right. um, you've been fantastic. And, and, and it's always been so fun when you would come during spring training and then we would go visit. And then, I mean, that last one, we really went out with a bang because oh, yeah. that was when I took you to the Phillies and you hit it off with Joe. Yeah, Girardi. like, you know, Paul's amazing as, as always. I'm Definitely. Every yes. time I see him in the dugout or something, I'm messaging him. He usually responds, but none of us anticipated that. But the Phillies organization, specifically Paul and, and Joe Girardi, like were amazing. From someone that grew up truly, truly admiring, not like Joe Girardi as a player, like really was one of my favorite. I was a catcher and that was like, I, I was destined in my mind that I was going to play Major League Baseball as a catcher. And so having opportunities to sit next to Joe Girardi for nine innings and listen, like literally ask him any question I could want, listen to him coach, listen to him engage with his players. Truly a blessing. So I, words cannot express my thanks to you guys, the Phillies and Paul and, and Coach Girardi. Well, I, we all appreciate the thanks, but I mean, it, it takes a special person to come into an organization like that. I mean, and that was your first time meeting Joe. And obviously you guys had 
an immediate connection. So it was fun. Uh, yeah, it was, it was truly fun. Truly like as a child, like it was like, it had been a while since I was just doing something that was pure joy like that for baseball. It was amazing. Oh yeah. No, I was looking at the, the photo of the three of us the other day and the smile on your face. And I mean, it, like we've talked about, I've known you for a while, but the smile on your face was like the best smile I've yeah, ever seen. Like, like true you, joy. Truly. Like, it, 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 yes. we, you and I have met people and we were like kind of underwhelmed by some people we've met. Not, not, not in disrespect of their character or anything like that, but it's like Joe is exactly what I would, you know, as a person, as a baseball fan, you would hope like just truly generous. You know? And Paul's the same. I mean, honestly, it's like it, there's no coincidence in that. So yeah super awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and talking about Paul, I definitely want to bring Paul on the podcast at some point for context for people. We're talking about Paul Fournier and Paul is the head strength coach for the Phillies. And Paul and I have actually been friends longer than you and I, Jeff, but uh, Paul is one of my dearest, closest friends just because, you know, when you meet someone and they just have that type of character and you just, kind of connect on that soul level where you know this person has your back this you, you just match up like that and Paul is one of those people and and so that's why I knew immediately when you guys met and that would have been like three right, years ago right, I think yep. I introduced you, you guys that yeah yes I, I think he still has it like a man crush on you <laughs> sure. I, I just messaged him the other day I was gonna like as soon as like you know the COVID protocols are gonna get, get softened up a little bit and it's like I'm only you know 30 minute flight from Philly so I'm going to go, go, go visit him. I, we, I visited him last year. Well, not last year, the year before I flew up there and took in a game or two, but it's definitely on the books for sure. Yeah. Well, it's so great that things are opening back up and, and life feels more real. But you had said something before about how Joe kind of lived up to what your expectation was. And, and you were saying how sometimes, you know, you meet someone and they're kind of underwhelming based on this expectation that we set. And it, it's kind of a nice segue into the next topic that I really want to address, which is that kind of perception of what people have of you and who the real you is. Like, I feel like I know the real you. And and obviously, you know, in a 45-minute, hour-long podcast, people aren't necessarily going to know the real you. But I do want to spend some time looking at that comparison of what people, and maybe in your experience too, the people's perception of you on social media versus who you really are. And, and I know you and I have also talked about the frustrations we have sometimes with social media so let's look at that a little bit yeah it's i think that social media has become this like almost almost necessary evil we'll call it i don't mean that a bad way just necessary evil for for those of us that recognize it for what it can be used for it's a great and it's amazing platform for advertisement those sort of things trying i'm saying that because it's like i think if you spend enough time in social media with a with a relevant business model. Like, and that's the thing is like, you try to develop a, res, re, a relevant business model and then demonstrate that in a social media platform, which is really difficult because anyone can be consistent with what we consider like their life or what their portrayal of their life would be. And, and, and we're all that, like in so many ways, we're trying to put forward the best us that we can be or whatever it may be. So for me, my transition for social media has kind of been trying to understand it, not getting super frustrated with it and like why and all those sort of things that, that you realize that trying to take your professional knowledge and display it to the world in that really small medium is super frustrating and difficult and so now that i know that it's like okay well how do i then use it without creating more frustration because a good piece of advice someone offered me once as far as social media is like what social media should allow you to do if you have a good business model is to 
develop other means or lines of revenue that may not take additional man hours, we'll call it man or woman hours, to produce a better product. It's like, hey, you just got to be consistent with it. And that, that's that's kind of hard to do because it's you're always comparing yourself or whatever, like always looking to see what other people are doing. And it tends to kind of draw you off target, I think, sometimes. So that's kind of like my opening to social media. It's, it's, it's a necessary evil. I think I'm doing better at it. But as far as like portrayal of my life and things is, yes, we pretty much only put the best foot forward. And whether it's true or not completely to the end, it's like, that's, that's what the struggle is. It's like, okay, you try so hard to portray yourself as somebody and try to live up to it in that social media world, but that's the big struggle. All of this has got to be, you have to try to come, come across as, as real, you know, that can be a little hard to do in that social media world. Yeah. I feel you completely there. I, I mean, I know that I've also described social media as a necessary evil. And in the same way that you said, I don't mean it in a negative sense, where I think that all social media is bad. I just think it can be a massive time suck. And then I also think there's a delicate line between how much realness we put out there. Because when you once you start to have a following in the tens of thousands of people, people start to feel as though they know you. And in my experience, there have been times that that familiarity that some of these people develop with you gets uncomfortable and a little bit invasive. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And that's why I kind of probably like you, I had to stand my ground personally for me, for my own sanity. It's like, I don't really won't answer DMs unless I know you. Again, I I direct all questions to my website anyway, because I don't think that social media is a platform for discussion at all. Like, I really think that that is the place where good ideas go to die. And I think that's a really good place for where your own sort of intentions on doing good go to die. Like, I just don't, I don't see it any, any more valuable for me other than just post drop and walk away. Because the thing is, is me included, like the people that really know me, like you, you can kind of see, you can see my advertisement. You can, you can clearly see the advertisement into what we do. And like you said, people's familiarity, see that consistent advertisement and they assume their presupposition is that that's who you are, which is why I don't post anything about family. I don't post anything because it's like, none of you, I don't know. I don't know any of you. Like, I don't really, with respect, I don't really care what your opinion is of my family and son that, or whatever my life, because social media only exists for me to advertise what I do as a profession, not what I do as a person, because my personal life is mine. And I, I try, that's what I always struggle with separation, you know, but that that's, I think that that's the mechanism of social media where we all have to come to terms with that. But that's where the problem is because a lot of people, it, it, it's like what I see. And I was guilty of this long time. It's like, I put so much time into portraying the social media life that it, I started taking on that fake, false, like bravado of it. And I'm like, wait a minute, at the end of the day, what, what do I really do? At the end of the day, I just teach people how to do exercises. That's, that's it. Like that's, and I'm good with that though. Like I'm so good with that because it's enough, you know, and coming to terms with that is is important. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. It's so let's go into a little bit. I I mean, obviously I'm not asking you to share a ton about your personal life, but you know, the person that I know who is very dedicated and disciplined in their personal life life. How about we we take a little bit of a look at like your schedule, your own, I mean, you're helping people learn exercises, but how about for your own personal conditioning and mental and physical? What are some of the things that you stay disciplined with in your yeah. own life? We'll triage this a little bit. The easiest thing for me to stay disciplined on is just the training. That for me is the, the easiest part of this is just going to a training facility, the gym, the track, whatever, like being consistently active. That is one thing that I will absolutely 
proudly say that I'm able to do. I do that regularly. I and mean, that's a variety of stuff, depending on what my goals are and what I want to do. But training, that's easy. Got that done. The second thing that I'm probably most, I say most competent in, in my own personal life would be my diet and my supplementation. That over the last two years has really, really become something I understand better because I've been able to reach out to other physicians and other professionals like yourself to really dissect me. For example, like when, you know, your book came out, it was like, oh, I instantly know I have something to contribute to my own personal health because I trust what that information is. And so that's what it is, is like right now I'm in this quest of gathering, we'll say, right? The struggle then becomes like, applying that consistently to your personal life. And then, then we go to like, okay, what are the things I'm trying to be really want to be consistent at? And, and I struggle the most at is probably giving myself time, like whatever you want to call it. Like I'm trying really hard to get really consistently invested in, I don't know what really how to say this necessarily, but like what it's the combination of like spirituality, meditation, giving yourself time, whatever you want to call that. Like I'm really trying to learn how to do that. And it's, that's real hard. That's been really, really hard to be super consistent with that, like carving out time each day appropriately, being consistent with it, using that a time for that. And that's for me is my physical body has always been been there for me for the most part and through diet and exercise. Now it's it's the emotional state that which I struggle with the most and being consistent with that. Some days I'm really good at making sure I get up. I, I, that's one thing I do get up pretty much same time every day. Now that's gotten better, but it's like after that, it's creating that consistency. It's like, I know I got the training, I've got the eating. It's like, okay, I know I need to carve out time to improve myself. That's been the real struggle, you know, and then developing relationships and stuff like that. That's, but I think that that's probably common for a lot of people. It seems to be a common theme, especially with those of us in this industry, for sure, is that we can make time for the training. I mean, we're teaching that day in and day out. And we understand probably more so than a lot of people the importance of the mental and spiritual side of it. But I'm with you. It's Uh, tough to carve out that time. I mean, I know that when I do carve out time in the morning, I can be more consistent. But then just like anything, you know, we get knocked off of our schedule and then it's so hard to get back to it. In terms of training, do you tend to train the same time every day or? Yeah, that's been, well, it depends on phases. So like we just finished our six week training course. And so best time I could train was in between the two sessions because I had, you know, a morning group and an afternoon group. And so my time for training had to be in the middle. Now that that group is gone, um, now it's like, you know, Mason's my son's out of school and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, now it's a summer routine. So I have a conversation with you. It is today is kind of start. I'm going to wake my son up around nine. And it's like, I want to get to the gym by 10 and start that, like my process too. Like, I know I'm not technically involved in like that six week work phase and we talked about the other day off camera I was like if I if I'm not working I need to create that division of not working I'm home and so now I've got to create a different little system where like I now have all this freedom and time because I'm not super obligated because I don't have clients right now immediately so it's like okay now it's like I got to take care of me and do the right thing by me and Catherine and and my son and and like that's my really point of focus now is I work my ass off appropriately and now I need to be here for them as well and so that's the struggle is is, it's not getting frustrated and, and not taking out on people I love and that's that's my biggest struggle. I think that's a big struggle for so many people but I mean you've brought out two really good points I, I think it 
I mean, obviously the one that you just covered, shutting off and being present with our families. I think there are so many like highly productive people. I know that I've been stuck in that mode where I am so productive and then there are so many ideas that I have and I'm constantly in the back of my mind thinking about a project or thinking about something that I'm doing. And so I'm walking away and making notes about something or sending a quick text or an email and I think that it it's not a big deal, you know, or I used to think it wasn't a big deal, but then I wasn't present. I missed the conversation. You know, if, has your son ever been talking to you and you think that you're listening and then he asked you a question and you realize that maybe you didn't completely hear everything that he said. <laughs> all you knew that he, all you know is that he asked a question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, that, man, that's, you're right. Yeah. Because time, time is relative to those things. Like, oh, it's just a quick text, but it, it's the thought process leading up to it. It's the text and everything after that really is, and it's, it, it, text is just the example, but, but let's say this, you and I, for an example, like many, many other people will say, we work really, really hard to get to where we're at professionally. And, and it's that weird sort of thing. We always, I always tell the guys like what gets you there in sport won't keep you there. And same in like your emotional investment and the way you do things, the way that you and I did stuff as young, we'll call us, you know, coaches, entrepreneurs in the social media world, it's just got to evolve. And I, and I think that what ends up happening, certainly for me, is I, I tend to take away from things that we take for granted. Like, oh, my girlfriend will always be there for me. My son will always be there for me. And there's a slippery, scary road to go down, man, because that's that is not good. Because you're like your real priorities have got to be at home, and, and that's that's that is my constant struggle. Because right? I'm good, I'm I'm good in front of an audience, coaching, man. I'm plugged in. I'm in the flow state. I'm going. Like it's it's so natural for me. And then coming home. <laughs> I'm trying to get that. I'd love to be able to get a flow state at home all the time in that same way, you know, but that's, that's, again, that's the consummate struggle. Yes. So much. Yes, Jeff, this is whenever we talk, it just reinforces why we're friends because we tend to be so much on the same wavelength. Just the other day, my son was telling me a story and I had that moment of appreciation of he still wants to tell me things, you know, he's yeah, yeah. so, and I have older kids. So I know that this is a phase that he's going to grow out of. And yeah. you have to have not... big ears through adolescence and, and puberty. Yeah. Small mouth, yes. big ears. Yeah. For your kids. Yes. And, and I remember thinking it's just, there have been too many times up until this point where I've not noticed, I've not been as present as, as I could be when, we were having these conversations and I wish I could go back in time and I can't, but I, so I'm so glad that I'm actually present now. And then I just thought to myself, I'm going to make sure that I do this tomorrow and the next day and every tomorrow that I'm right. given yep. to do this. But I, I also want to go back to one other thing that you said, because I want to make this point and I, I think it's missed on a lot of people. You know, we were talking about discipline in our own lives and I think sometimes there's this perception that discipline means that you have to be rigid and regimented in acting on that discipline, which means, so, you know, I asked you if you trained at the same time every day, because I think a lot of times that's someone's perception of what discipline is, it has to be the mm -hmm. same time. But when you have a career and there are changes in your career, and actually, if you're a human being living in your life and you're not living in the context of, let's say, the military, where, you know, every day or even professional sports every day, everything's happening at the same time. But in real life, it's not like that. And so I think true discipline comes back to what you were saying, where it has to be organic. You have to say, yes, I, you know, training 
and taking care of myself is really important and it has to happen every day. So I have to make time for it every day, but I have to make time for it in the context of my life. And so, yeah, every day that I can do it consistently at the same time, great. But when I have these things that happen in my life, like your example of your six week program and you fit it in, you figure out where to fit it in. And I think that's helpful for people to hear and understand. Yeah. And, and I, I understand too, like a lot of the folks, you know, we, we speak to a lot of folks that are bracketed into a work timeline, like by some, like we're our own boss. Essentially, I, I don't really have to answer to anybody technically from a, from a work standpoint. I do, I need to, you know, it's like my business manager, Catherine is, is, is the one that has to like corral this really impossible person at times, you know? So like that, that what I look at from discipline, I, I say it, this is like a lot of people when that we you know, maybe you and I are talking discipline, they, they instantly are going to think of like your discipline is training and eating. It's like, like I already said, like, I don't have to really give any thought to training or eating necessarily. Like it's, it, it's such a habit that I've established. I've, I've been, I've been training since I was really, I, this is, this is the truth. Since I was 12, I've, I've been in the gym, the longest stint I've ever taken off since I was 12. I'm 42, almost 43. I took six months off of training when I went through buds, but I didn't on the weekends. I still worked out, still would go to the gym on the weekends, more from an emotional release. Cause I was so familiar with it. So I, I didn't, I don't, I don't have to try to work out. I just do. I don't have to try necessarily as hard, but I do with my eating and supplementation. What I really have to try and discipline is everything else. Like it, it, that's the hard part is being dis disciplined in your life. Like we talked about being there for your family. That takes real discipline because damn, I'm so bad at taking that for granted, you know? And, and that's <laughs> like, if we're talking discipline, I'm talking about like everything that the world doesn't see, you know? Like that's the truth. The truth is, is I struggle just like everyone else, right? Don't let the social media world fool you that I am this extraordinarily put together human being outside all the time. Like I, I am, I'm, I'm admittedly pretty put together when it comes to training. I am. I'm pretty put together when it comes to my diet and supplementation. I'm pretty put together when it comes to sleep, but I'll be damned if I'm put together right now, like as well in everything else in my life. And that's what I do is I use I use my experience in training, my experience in sport, my experience in the military to say, hey, like, I need to utilize some of those same principles in which I organize those things in my life. I need to find some principles in which I can better organize the stuff that are actually really important. That's really what I try to work on. You know, like I say, try to work on it. That's, that's omnipresent for me right now. And it's, it's, it's not easy. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because... Those are things that all of us, absolutely all of us who have, and hopefully every human who's listening to this has people that they care about and um, in the grand scheme of things, the things that matter most. And yeah, we, we should all be putting our focus on having better discipline, managing those things that matter mm -hmm. most. Obviously, as you said, you have a handle on the training and the diet and supplementation and sleep and and. Obviously, again, it, people who don't, they need, they need to have a handle on that as well because man, that's how we're going to live. Yeah. But now the, the true living is the stuff that you were just talking about. That's the right. living. That's why we do the training yeah. and the diet and the Because if you look at it contextually, I think from a 30,000 foot view, what is training? The whole basis of training is consistency. So if it's not consistent, it's obvious. Like be consistent with what you can really control without dominating it, right? Same with your diet, same with your sleep. Potentially sleep is a next kind of level sort of because there's a lot of emotional stuff attached to that, certainly. But it's like, hey, if your life is in what you consider like disarray, well, I look at training as a way to get grab a piece of my life to create some organization, some discipline, all these things that then I can maybe build from. Because you look at like from like being an addict 
in the past and things like you see this a lot in addicts world is that they'll replace their drug addiction with working out. It's, a, it's certainly, it's like, we're not comparing them as equals, but you're saying like, that is the type of person that I already am. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to be locked in into that stuff. So that's why I say it's like, if your life is crazy, get some organization and you can get some organization in your training and get some organization in your eating. And then I think you might have those hours and those times where you're disciplined in there, maybe you can use those in your own sort of perspective to go, oh, okay, I'm really good at training, but I'm a really shitty boyfriend, <laughs> you know? So maybe that's not a great sort of example, but for me, it's- Oh, it is. That's my it life. Is. That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. All right. Well, Jeff, we are going to be jumping in to talk a little bit more about, actually, I think some of what we've been talking about, it's a nice transition into talking about your definition of true strength. And before we get into that, though, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Hi, this is your host, Dana Santos, the Mobility Maker. As a coach working with MLB, NHL, NBA, and NFL teams, I know how important it is for athletes to have complete confidence in the supplements they're taking. And so does Thorne. It's why Thorne has invested in an NSF certified facility and manufactures over 30 NSF certified for sport products, where their formulas are screened for more than 200 banned substances. This third-party certification gives athletes peace of mind knowing that nothing on the extensive banned substance list will show up on a drug test due to a Thorne product. It also ensures that all of Thorne's final products only contain what you need for optimal body function and performance. Visit mobilitymaker.com forward slash Thorne and use my referral link to receive a 20% discount on individual NSF certified for sport formulas. That's mobilitymaker.com forward slash Thorne. Okay, so now that we're back, uh, Jeff, I'd just like to ask you, I know this isn't an easy question, but uh, maybe it's an easy question for you. What is your definition of strength? And it doesn't have to be just physical or mental, just when you think about what true strength is, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think, again, we can be metaphorical about it. I, I think there's there's two, it's a double, double component to me because I think strength for me always whether it's stereotypical or what it is, like there is a physical component to it, especially when we're talking about in the worlds that we work in sport, military, law enforcement, first responder, whatever it is, you know, if anyone would say that there's no value in having strength or being strong, like that, that's just pure ignorance, first of all. And I, I look at it and go, people always make excuses of why they don't need to do this, don't need to train, don't need to do that. And I go, well, okay, let me back up into my world for a minute and go, our military, our law enforcement firefighters, we've seen it. Like, and we're living it right now. We're seeing where we have physically incapable humans with positions of authority acting out, right? Way out of context of their job, sport, whatever behavior, because they aren't physically strong enough to handle not only a human being, but handle the fact that 
hey, I'm not strong enough to do this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna impart my power upon this person because I'm carrying a lethal firearm. I think that that is a huge problem. Now, I'm not, a, I'm so not political. So I'm not trying to make this anything political, but I'm saying like, if our law enforcement officers are not physically capable of subduing another individual, I don't think that they should have a badge. Like there's a lot of things about strength. Like, do I think that everyone should be a black belt in jujitsu? No, I don't. Do I, but I, do I think that we look at 80% of our military and law enforcement can't do a pull-up? What, what, what are we doing here? Like, wait, wait a minute. Like, you mean to tell me that 80%? Yeah, I, I put my reputation on the fact that, that statement is true. Like, you, you just start looking at it and go, you mean to tell me the way that we're set up right now is this degradation of physical strength because why? All sorts of reasons. If you look at back in the military and law enforcement, like literally the term, a pillar, a pillar of our, of that established community is physical competence, right? Physical readiness is a pillar for our first responders and militaries, right? The military has completely done away since COVID with physical standards. They've gotten rid of it completely. Don't have to test, don't have to do anything, right? Our, our military is not fit enough to deploy, at all, period. That, that is an absolute factual statement, which is why there's so many individual augmentees, right? The army can't deploy as a unit because there's not a fit people. So they have to augment all these different branches of service. That's why everything is a joint special operations now, because military units cannot deploy as a whole because they're not physically capable, right? What is, people don't know that. We just assume, we just assume. But if you spent a minute in a military base, right? If you spent one minute on a military base, all you see is McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, just garbage, just garbage food, right? The, the food in our military is just straight garbage. It's just so like you start looking at it going like, wait a minute. Because I even came in with the auspice, you know, years ago going, oh, I'm going to just jump into this. This, and this is not to boo-boo the military because this, is, this isn't about the people. Like, I mean, be super clear about this. This is not about the individuals that are deciding to put a uniform on. This is about the context of the organization that they're stepping into. There's a degradation of physical competence and knowledge that's happening because we're just following the trends of civilization. Like, well, we don't need to be fit because I can just take a pill. I don't need this because I can just take this medicine. I don't need this because uh, I, I can get year after year after year, get a physical waiver. Go out, oh, you're just, you're, you're morbidly obese. But yeah, but uh, you know, I have a, I'm an asset. It's like, but you're not meeting the standard. And the problem is, is, and I'm soapboxing here, is the problem is that really, really good human beings that want to serve in a capacity to help other people, they thrive in a high standard. Like you're never going to attract, like if the SEAL community were to get rid of their physical standard, you would not attract someone like me that wants to really do the job. You wouldn't attract those individuals, right? You just don't do it. Like there's in the state of Virginia, there's only one law enforcement academy in the entire state of, of every police department in the entire state of Virginia. There is only one police department that has a physical standard of entry into the department post the academy and it's in Chesapeake. So there is absolutely zero physical standards that are necessary for our police. They're only, they're only asked to shoot 25 to 50 rounds a year. That's it. So like, no wonder why our military and law enforcement doesn't know how to shoot guns because they don't. The most incapable, incompetent people with firearms in the world outside of our secret service are unfortunately our law enforcement. And it's not because of their bad people. They don't get any funding. They have zero funding to obtain the skill it's like, wait a minute, these, these men and women are on the streets every single day carrying a firearm, but none of them have the competency of training. Like, what are we doing here? Like that, no wonder why we're encountering all these really awful decisions by a few, very few police officers.
right? That's right. that's scary. So, so you're saying that basically what you said is it's the the trend of civilization, which makes sense to me, that is leading us down this yep. path to degradation of strength, Our physical confidence, being strong enough. Yes, physical confidence, being strong enough to perform at your job. And and I also, I, I'm not bashing law enforcement at all. Um, one of the greatest honors of my career has been to be contracted by the Fairfax Criminal mm-hmm. Justice yep. Academy. And every quarter I would go there until yep. recently, uh, but every quarter for a, a couple of years, I would go in and do an all day health and wellness seminar. And I'm teaching them the basics. and and for so many of them, things they've never been introduced yep. to, like soft tissue therapy and just ways to try to deal with back pain and just a basic understanding of, you know, how physically active you yep. actually need to be every single day to not just maintain physical competence, but just for general yeah. health. And and the fact that, you know, I am this person coming in once a quarter, introducing this to a group of 70 officers it it just and then the the feedback from them was always so grateful that they were they they were introduced to this information which you know would make me feel good and bad good you know i'm i'm glad that i was they found it useful but then the other part of me is going I can't believe that I am the only person that's bringing them this information, that they don't have the budget to have someone. It's it's super unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, and I said, I've been doing this every quarter up until recently because the person who was running the program is no longer there now. So it's not a priority anymore. Whether the program. As soon as the leadership changes. Yeah. And that's the problem, the revolving door of leadership, right? And that's, that's the problem with military law enforcement. It's like every two years you get a new leader and if they don't understand, like, you know, each, you got to figure like the military law enforcement always has objectives they want to meet based on their leadership. Well, this captain's goal is to have these three or four things in place for his administration, we'll call it. And I'm, he's only got two years to do it. And if it doesn't, like he changes the baton to new leadership, they go, well, I don't understand fitness, but I understand bullets. So we're going to scrap the fitness and buy more bullets. And, and that's the crazy thing, because if we look at like nationwide, the number one expense for workman's comp for our law enforcement is blood pressure medication. Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars annually, right? globally for sure. I know like Mick Sterley from Australia, Sydney was spending $308 million a year on its workman comp medication. 308, that's just one city. It's Sydney, Australia. So you start looking like, oh, like, wait a minute. Like I would much rather my taxpayer's money go to like, hey, I'm spending money on bullets for you guys because you know what? High blood pressure can be completely eradicated with two things, maybe three, exercise, better diet, better sleep. Will completely eradicate hypertension, heart disease, cancer, arguably, maybe that's more environmental, maybe, but you start looking at all these things that we can completely get rid of, right? If you have someone that's a like a severe diabetic, and we've had that where she was an Olympic softball player from here, she was severely diabetic, right? 200 and some odd pounds. She's an Olympic gold medalist. You know, the doctor's like, don't lift more than six pounds. She hurt her back, her knee, her disc. I'm like, I've had seven of them. It's like, and so we, 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 we rehabbed her, trained her, you know, 30 days later, she's off all of her medicine. She's playing softball again, like fun, like with her kids and stuff. We're like, wait a minute. Like what? And that's the thing is like this, the, the healthcare system is not serving our military for sure. What we're really, really trying to do is we're letting these people you go talk to and we go talk to go, no, 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 guys, like you can do this. Like, this is really within your control. Don't, don't let the doctor scare you into this. Like you take back, take back what is always yours. And that's your health. Take it back. And, and, and I think that that's what we're all just trying to do is like, like I'm, I'm not perfect. 
but like, like I said, it's like, let me try to be at least an example on the consistency of training and its value. Let's start with that. So getting back then to this definition of strength, what I'm hearing is that it's really about having the physical competence to know that you can perform in your career and life without fear and I mean, I, I, do you, do you feel like I'm I'm understanding what you were saying? No, you're right. Because because what it does is let's use this. You know, I have a very good friend of mine here. It's a big, big like he's been doing my programs for a He looks the part like as a police officer, like big dude. But he's been doing it for 25, 30, 27 years, 28 years. So he's got the apt the emotional aptitude now. And so when he steps into an environment that's really caustic, he has this physical presence. And then there's like this like oh my god, don't screw with that dude. And then he opens his mouth, and everyone just he just disarms everyone because he's like, not mean. He's just like, hey man, I got it. I can be a handful, but I'm not here to be a handful. I'm here to help you guys as a community. And so he's in same, same guy. He's, he's goes around to schools. He works the gang units here. He goes from school, little kids, talks to little kids. No kidding, man. This is what happened to him a couple of months ago. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he's in communities where you know, gangs and crime are pretty bad. He's in pretty, pretty non-affluent sort of neighborhoods in, in Norfolk and in Chesapeake and places and in various, but, and it, this kid throws his hands up and cause my buddy's like, you know, like if you get in trouble, like we'll be there. The law enforcement's going to be there. Are you going to just trust us? Like, let me know. And the one kid goes, well, all the police I see in my neighborhood, he's like, I can outrun them. They're really fat and out of shape. He goes, if, if they show up and we have problems, who are we going to call? He's like, because the little kid's like, you know, it's like 10, 12 years old. He's like, I don't trust that fat cop to do anything. And Mark just like, had to, he put his head down. He's like, well, then you can call me. And so that's where we're at. We're at, we're at a place where not to dive into other people's like life experience and stuff, but I'm looking back kind of a 30,000 foot view going, seeing like, wonder what our kids think. Like, do, why, wonder why, I wonder why our kids don't have a lot of trust in law enforcement. It's certainly how it's portrayed, but also kids are super intuitive. They, they know what's up. Like they, they see a guy that walks into a room, an athlete, right? You see a, you see a guy walk into a room and you're like, oh God, that dude's like, that kid's going to mash the ball. And then you look at that guy like, I'm not really seeing any athleticism in that guy at all. It's Kids do the same thing, man. Kids measure right away. And we see like, if the kids don't feel like they're being protected because they are going to stereotype or judge someone's physicality, I would too. Truth be told, man, I believe this to the deepest, deepest being of my core. If someone is in charge of a military, law enforcement, or fire department in any capacity, in any capacity, you know, top of this food chain, all the way down to the, if you cannot pass the physical standard established by your department, you should not have a job. Everyone, I don't care if you've been in the department 35 years and you have all this super experience, but you can't meet the standard of the people that you're putting on the street. You should not have a job. And that is scary. That's the scariest thing is because our leadership is so pathetic and weak at the highest levels, which is why that's what we got. We just got a bunch of people that even at the military and law enforcement level, they don't trust what's above them because they know it's above them, can't do the job that they're being asked. And that's the real problem. Our leadership is such cowards, such pathetic cowards across law enforcement and military. And I don't have any emotional bandwidth for that sort of cowardice. I just don't. So that's what I, I, I'm standing my ground. So that's the strength. That's like, uh-uh, we have a standard because that standard is necessary based on what, what, are we, what, what are we trying to do? Like we have to protect and serve and we protect and serve by first our presence. That's what we do. Our physical presence is the first thing that's recognized. And then we open our mouths and we now have to reciprocate that physical presence with wisdom and knowledge. <laughs> and that 
Well, and you called it before you called it emotional aptitude. And I think that was a really great definition. Strength being about physical competence and emotional aptitude. And I think your friend was, uh, is a great example of that. Uh, but going back to the examples of bringing you personally into spring training, I, I see how the players respond. Like there's an immediate air of respect when you know that someone has that type of strength. And then the same thing, then you open your mouth and then you further garner that respect and and you also are very disarming because you're approachable but you have this air of you know i can kick your ass if i need to but we're probably not going to have to get to that because i'm not a jerk has there been a time or times in your life where you felt like overall this sense of strength in you has has really been tested. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a couple. You know, from a physical standpoint, it's been it's certainly been tested, and I have found myself to be thankfully competent. It's always twofold. So the physical aspect leading to the, the contribution of the emotional aptitude. Part of my job in the f- before was you know I'd, we would deal with let's just say big cruise line ships. Like you got to get onto them. <laughs> you know how are we going to do that? Well, you got to get another boat up next to it, and you get a little four four inch wide titanium caving ladder that goes up you know, 30, 40, 60 feet, and then you got to climb it. But you typically climb that in the middle of the night. And you typically the ocean is not calm. So it, you know, there's these things, there's the opportunities where I've had to climb. I climbed a, a Disney cruise liner is about 60, 63 feet. And it was a pretty, pretty heavy seas, 12 to 15 foot sails. And so it was really, that was a, a real test of strength. I tore my bicep doing it, but I was able to climb, you know, if I, it, literally, if I had fallen, I was certainly would have de- been dead, you know, it's 33 miles off the coast. It's three o'clock in the morning and the hurricane's coming in and we're 18 feet swells. So if I, if I fall from the ladder, I sink to the bottom of the ocean I'm dead. Granted, not everyone has to encounter that. Let me bring this back just to make, give you guys perspective. Every job in our military, law enforcement, fire department, first responders, whatever you want to call it, civil servants, every one of those jobs has a range of experiences that they may encounter given that job. And if you are knowing that you are going to probably run into some physical resistance you may not be able to handle, I think maybe you should either quit or get up to speed because it's because that's what I'm saying. It's like I was the lead climber. And what if the lead climber, I just is like, well, I've been a SEAL for all these years. I've got all this competence. I don't need to have any physical strength. And now it has to happen for real world. And I go, well, I can't climb that. Mission, mission scrap. That, that's what we keep encountering. Is we, what we keep doing is guys like me, for example, not that I'm special, I'm driven. I'm super driven. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to join. I was going to do the special force. It doesn't matter. Guys are always going to go in the special forces, regardless of the condition. Those are the people that we need to hook our little trailer to and go, that's the standard. Like, that's the standard. The new guys coming in, like, that's the standard. Keep up or go away because you become a real liability. And, the, and that's what we see. Like, what? we got to take personal responsibility. We really have to when it comes to that. Like what will come from that is the emotional aptitude of the world not saying you need to be perfect. Like got, these are humans and we, we can't expect our law enforcement to be perfect. But what we've done is we, we the people that are imperfect that make mistakes, we judge them all the same or we don't judge them at all. And that's judging them all the same. And we go, no, 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 no. <laughs> there is a standard that doesn't mean that the people that make make mistakes, they need to be held accountable as individuals, not as departments and not as a whole collective as police officers suck. 
because that is certainly not true. No, I agree for sure. And then standards just need to change. Uh, so that are held, kept. They need to be kept because it's like our military has these standards, but they've gotten rid of them. Like there's like, the, you know, like the army special forces cut their curriculum in half. They're like, oh, you're a Green Berets. Like, do you really think that the Green Berets that went through the entire curriculum are going to accept these Green Berets as, as equals? Hell no. Okay. So we're heading towards the end of the show. And this is where I really like to get into some of the takeaways. I mean, and you've given plenty of takeaways, but I just like to reinforce them for people because there's a lot of information to take in and just remind them. Of, of some of the important points that you've made. Um, in the beginning, we were talking about the importance of consistency. When you described your training, it was it's more of a lifestyle now. I mean, you started early and it doesn't mean that someone who's starting later can't integrate it into their Agreed. lifestyle, but really thinking about, yes, the discipline of training being part of your lifestyle. And then the bigger message there too was obviously we're, we're doing this training so that we can be healthy mentally and physically so that we can live our lives, but then finding, making the time and, and having the discipline to shut off from the work stuff and actually be present with the people who matter most to us. Could not say it better myself. You bet. That's it. Well, you said it. So I know, I know, but I just like the reiteration. It's like, you're right. It's, it it needs to be reiterated because that's the God honest truth with, with, with all of us, really. It's like, we're trying to create some organization in our lives, but ultimately it all comes back to what we do inside of our own walls of our own house. Really? Like that's really, like, what are we really defining your mental health and emotional and physical health? It's like, how is that within your family structure? That's it. And your training, like, again, like my training can be impeccable, but that hasn't, that really has no correlation on my, my life in here anymore. Cause that's just training is training. It's just, it's good. You know, it's, it's always going to be good. So it's like, man, okay. And, and, and just really drawing back from that. I I don't have this anxiety if I don't train. Like yesterday was like, should we go work out? Like, no, I I, we have our own gym. So it's like, I don't, I don't feel like it. Okay, great. Like I, I might only train two or three times a week now and I'm okay with it. Sometimes I train six, but I'm okay. I'm good. I'm 42 years old. I've, what do I want to do? I just want to stay healthy so I can, I can help people. I'm good. I'm good. Yes. Yes. That's a great goal. And then getting back to your definition of, of strength being twofold, physical competence and emotional aptitude. And I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think that's an excellent definition of strength. It goes back to what we were just saying about discipline, because if you want to be physically competent, then your training has to be a lifestyle. Uh, and then if you want to be a, be a stronger person and, and have emotional aptitude, like you mentioned, we have to be able to shut off the other things and really focus on the things that matter in our lives so that we can have those moments of pure joy, like you yes. brought up, or well, like we were discussing in the very beginning when, you know, when, when we've spent time together, I never feel like you're distracted. You're not the person who sets their phone on the table yeah. and, and has it not anymore. Us. Yeah, not and, anymore. And, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good habit to break. Yeah. And that, that's, a, so that's a really great example. Like, a, a, we, you know, really like the offer folks is like, understandably, like you, people might look at guys, people like like you and I and go, man, these guys really have it put together. We, we certainly do with the training and stuff, you know, but it's, it, it's like, that is such an important thing. You go like, if, if you are an example, it was a habit that I needed to break. It's like, it, there's a lot more I need to break, but one of the habits to break was anytime I sit down with friends or family, I don't put my phone on the table. It goes in my pocket or I leave it. I'd like to, you know, eventually leave it in the car kind of thing. And it's like, that's a good goal to have. It really is a really, it's a really good goal to have because if, if people really care about you, 
they notice that you're doing that for them. And that's a good start. That's a really good start. And that's something that I try, I try to do, try to be as mindful as much as like not have the phone out, you know, when it's not necessary. That's a goal, good goal. It seems simple, but it's it's absolutely makes a profound difference. And as you said, people notice that. That's a message that you're sending to people. You in front yes. of me right now is way more important than people who are just randomly reaching out. Amen. To me. And yes. Amen. There's yes. super, that's so valuable. Yes, yes ma'am. Yes. So I think on that note, I mean, we've covered so much. It's a lot for people to digest. I cannot thank you enough, Jeff, for your time. But before we go, is there anything, uh, you know, speaking that you have coming up or any projects or anything that you'd like to plug? Because I know that, especially for people who weren't familiar with who you are, I'm sure now they want to learn more about you. Let us know where they can. And Yeah, my, my social media is, my Instagram is jeffcscs. I, I'm on it some, you know, a couple, probably maybe five, 10 minutes a day, kind of just check. Uh, I'll do it lives on there pretty regularly. I try to, that's kind of my, my forum for teaching, I guess, in a sense. Uh, the website uh, is uh, performancefirstus.com. And that's, you know, from like events that we host, teaching clinics and things like that, they're, they're on those dates, you know, they're on there, but also it's more just a placeholder when we establish them. I don't put a lot of stuff out for like long dates ahead of time because I just like to we'll advertise, Hey, these are the dates that we're going to do something. And we, we like to fill it up or saturate it, focus on that before we build a whole bunch of other stuff. So, you know, we have a, a we have a course coming up here in a few months. We have only three spots available. I think still the six week course here, that's that one we really love doing. And, but if you, if anyone's interested in like doing specific training, like oriented to them, you can certainly send an email, engage with us. And, and if, if it works out well for your, your goals and, and, and our abilities, and we probably could work something out for a day or two of training potentially. But that's that's the beauty of kind of what we've got now is like we really try to focus on the needs of the individual. So if you come with us, like here's my need, here's my timeline, um, and here's my goals, we man, we, we most certainly can at least communicate with you um, to help you do that. Thank you again, Jeff. I really, really appreciate it. You betcha. Once again, we'd like to thank our primary sponsor, Thorne. If you like what you heard today and want to support the show, visit the link found in this episode's show notes or simply go to mobilitymaker.com forward slash thorn and sign up for a free thorn account using my referral link to receive 20% off all future individual thorn supplement purchases. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. The Real Strong People podcast is available for streaming on your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to join us next time.